code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of December 2008. I always suggest to newcomers that they look into the, the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and download as many, if not all, of the talks that you can possibly hold in your hard drive and listen to them at your leisure because who knows, as things are progressing here uh, from government sources and so on, we're getting the early warnings that free speech will not be out there for very, very long. So download the talks, and I try to fill in the blanks for you to show you how history is guided. How they actually call it historical necessity, all their big plans that go along with the noble lie. They actually write it in advance, and they call it historically necessitive or historical necessity. And I try to tell you how they guide the world into their wonderful uh, depopulated utopia. Also look into Alan Watts Sentinel dot EU, and you can download transcripts of these same talks and print them up. They're written in the various languages of Europe. And we are truly, truly on one incredible roll. It had to happen this way because it was to say it was planned this way. And there's not a day goes by uh, that we're getting information given to us by the same authorities that used to hide lots of information which tells you it's the expose of information is part of the predictive programming is to get us into a state of preparedness of the inevitability of being lorded over through martial law and so on. That's why we're being let in on the big no. You know, the big think tanks that have always run the directions for military conquest and takeovers of countries and so on under the guise of um, securing necessities and raw resources for their country to keep their own nation alive, uh, really always to keep the fascist systems alive, to be honest with you, um, never told the public what they were up to. And that's why when they came out with propaganda for wars, they could demonize the enemy very easily. You had no prior warning or even information of this particular enemy. And in no time at all, they could whip everyone up into a war frenzy to go and kill the terrible infidels and so on. But now they're telling us through predictive programming from official sources uh, what to expect in the very near future. It's interesting too that out of all the movies that are getting churned out right now, I think the, the next eight or nine that's coming out at this moment, the first top of them, the first eight or nine are all disaster type movies with martial law and the troops in the streets uh, rationing, uh, that kind of stuff, and, and a well-equipped military, uh, a sinister black-clothed military um, lording it over people. That's also predictive programming, and it falls out, it falls in, I should say, with the long-term strategy for the next 30 or maybe 40 years of what they have announced from their top think tanks from the military of Britain and the U.S. to do with the coming 
riots and the coming disasters, etc., etc. But in reality, all planned that way. Planned, and you have to go back through all the treaties and conventions signed on behalf of your countries to the United Nations and with the United Nations towards a sustainable world, as they call it. Sustainable sounds quite nice. It isn't until you go into what they mean that it becomes a horror show because they talk openly about the necessity of bringing down the entire population of the world into a small portion, maybe 500 million people ideally, to serve the dominant minority. And I'll be back with more about what's coming up after this break. about 
the 30 years or so of riots coming is they take down the U.S. I've always said the U.S. would eventually merge and, and come into the very system that it helped create across the world because it was decided long ago the U.S. was to take over from Britain to complete the job. Britain started it with the empire, the British Empire. They then changed the name to Commonwealth. It sounded much better. And it was to be the nucleus that the United Nations would build on and the, the U.S. was to build on and, and use and uh, basically finance into existence. Now they're so, they're so overburdened with debt paying for all this, uh, the U.S. has had its economy pulled from it and its dollar has plummeted, all by design. When they, they gave the factories to China and financed the companies to go over to China, they knew all of this. They knew what their effects would be. They knew that a serviced economy is like a dog paddling in a swimming pool. It can only paddle for so long before it can either try and get out or it sinks. Simple as that. That's basic economics. Therefore, as a, getting back to my original points, when we're given documentation from war colleges, like this article I'm going to read, and I already put up the 90-page article from the British uh, Institutes uh, that uh, is the think tank for the British and NATO military command. I've also given up the U.S. one from the Strategic Studies Institute. Well, here's the Strategic Studies Institute also given up another one, just to make sure we all get the points. And this one is called Known Unknowns, Unconventional Strategic Shocks in Defense Strategy Development. When you read this little summary they put out, and I'll put all the links to their PDFs to get the full story at the end of the show. I'll put it on my website. But when you read this, it's so vague and abstract. And this is what most newspapers, if they even mention it, will put up in, in their papers. This is what they'll leave you with. It says, the current defense team confronted a game-changing strategic shock in its first eight months in office. The next team would be well advised to expect the same. That means when Obama gets in. Defense-relevant strategic shocks. And they love shock, like shock and awe. It's the end thing. They're buzzwords that become trendy for a little while. It says, these shocks jolt convention to such an extent that they force sudden unanticipated change. Unanticipated change. I've just mentioned all the things leading up to this. It says, in the Department of Defense's perceptions about threat, vulnerability, and strategic response, their unanticipated onset forces or uh, forces entire defense enterprise to reorientate and restructure institutions, employ capabilities in unexpected ways, and confront challenges that are fundamentally different than those routinely considered in defense calculations. This is meant to put the average person to sleep. It says the likeliest and most dangerous future shocks will be unconventional. They will not emerge from thunderbolt advances in an opponent's military capabilities, Rather, they will manifest themselves in, in ways far outside established defensive convention. Most will be non-military in origin and character and not by definition defensive-specific events conducive to the conventional employment of the Department of Defense enterprise. They will arise from an analytical no-man's land separating well-considered stock-and-trade defense contingencies and pure defense speculation their origin is most likely to be in irregular, catastrophic, and hybrid threats of purpose emerging from hostile design or threats of context. 
Now, I'm going to skip this hullabaloo nonsense and get to the nitty-gritty uh, of what the PDF contains, because this, as I say, is designed, it's like the Bible is meant to put you to sleep. And, and if, you, if you stay awake, you'll hit the occasional little bit that jolts you back into reality, the little bit that's worth remembering. So here's the same thing, an analysis from the PDF, obviously, by the Worldwide Tribune, or worldtribune.com it's called. Doomsday, U.S. report warns of strategic shock leading to massive unrest, December 15, 2008. It says the United States could be sleepwalking into its next crisis, a military report said. The report by the U.S. Army War College Strategic Institute said that a defense community paralyzed by conventional thinking could be unprepared to help the United States cope with a series of unexpected crises that would rival the Al-Qaeda strikes of 2001, termed a strategic shock. The report cited that the prospect of the collapse of a nuclear state leading to massive unrest in the United States, widespread civil violence, this is, this is the nitty-gritty, you'll get a little abstract there, widespread civil violence inside the United States would force the defense establishment to reorientate priorities and extremists to defend basic domestic order and human security, the report authored by retired Lieutenant Colonel Nathan Freer said, it says, deliberate employment of weapons of mass destruction or other catastrophic capabilities, unforeseen economic collapse, economic collapse, remember, loss of functioning uh, political and legal order, purposeful domestic resistance. Now, why would there be pur- purposeful domestic resistance? Resistance to what? Or insurgency. They're talking about basically revolution. Pervasive public health emergencies, that's pandemics and so on, and catastrophic natural and human disasters are all paths to disruptive domestic shock. Titled Known Unknowns, Unconventional Strategic Shocks in Defense Strategy Development, the report warned that the U.S. military and intelligence community remain mired in the past as well as the need to accommodate government policy. Freer, a former Pentagon official, said that despite the Al-Qaeda surprise in 2001, U.S. defense strategy and planning remain trapped by excessive convention. The current administration confronted a game-changing strategic shock inside its first eight months in office. The report said the next administration would well advise to expect the same during the course of its first term. Indeed, the odds are very high against any of the challenges routinely at the top of the traditional defense agenda, triggering the next watershed inside the Department of Defense. The report cited the collapse of what Freer termed a large capable state that results in a nuclear civil war. Such a prospect could lead to uncontrolled weapons of mass destruction, proliferation, as well as a nuclear war. This is, this is, from, the, this is from the Department of Defense. I don't know if they've been watching all these movies. I guess they have been since they, the Pentagon pays to have these movies made for predictive programming. Says here, the report cited the prospect of a breakdown of order in the United States. Fear said the Pentagon could be suddenly forced to recall troops from abroad to fight domestic unrest. An American government and defense establishment lulled into complacency by a long, secure domestic order would be forced to rapidly divest some or most external security commitments in order to address rapidly expanding human insecurity at home, the report said. That reminds me of when Kissinger was giving his speech at California 
uh, when he said that the people of the United States would welcome the United Nations in under the right circumstances. But the report goes on and on and on and talks about insurgency groups, etc., etc. But basically, it's to do with, with the breakdown of order inside the United States. And the main culprit would be, apparently, uh, an economic collapse. And we've seen them pull the plug on the economy quite recently. We haven't seen the end of it. This is just the start uh, of the rumbles, in fact, we're going through. And there's much, much more to come. It's going to be one big belly ache in the end. And I'll be back with more after the following break. through the matrix. I try when I present some of these articles to give you some of the histories, as I say, leading up to the articles, because, you see, articles are given to us all to simply be downloaded with, and you're not supposed to know uh, how these things developed. They just hit us out of the blue. Everything's a big surprise in the newspapers, and nothing can be further from the truth when it comes to big, big events. There's nothing happening inside the Americas today that wasn't planned that way and written about long ago. The gradual takedown of the system as the U.S. especially, which would be funding the changes across the world from the funding of the League of Nations to the United Nations and all of its different uh, arms and also doing the Policeman of the World Act for a while was eventually to exhaust itself financially and then it was to come down in its status and its standard of living drastically into not quite the third world level. You'll come up a little bit from the bottom, but uh, not far off it, to be honest with you. And the way they're going now with all these disaster scenarios uh, is indicative of massive loss of life, which, again, would tie in with the depopulation programs at the United Nations. And these guys are deadly serious about depopulation. In fact, when I was doing links from this particular article, I went through quite a different uh, related articles from the same authors, from the, the same study institute, and a good lot of it is to do with projected populations uh, up to the years 2030 and all of their documentation and all the graphs they had to show you uh, they admit that after 2030, there's going to be a drastic, incredibly drastic decline in the populations of the Western world. They don't tell you why. But this is long-term planning, long-term strategy. And as I say, nothing happens by chance, even though they just shove these articles at us. And let's not kid ourselves. When they decided to turn the West into a service economy, they could only paddle in the swimming pool to say like a dog until it's exhausted before you sink. They knew eventually that the piper must be paid and there would be civil unrest as the economy would collapse. Because the service economies live on debt. It's all debt. It's all based on debt and a phony rigged stock market system. They call it the stock market because the stock is an animal. That's what farmers call their animals, the stock, the stock market. 
And that's why you have a bear market and a bull market and so on. Ancient stuff that came from the Zodiac, these particular animals. And there's always private stocks that are never sold to the public. The same few dozen families own the vast amounts of, of, of uh, controlling stocks in all the big corporations. Oligarchies run the world to an extent, and they plan the world. And in their worlds, everything has a purpose and a use, or it has no use at all. Uh, people who are simply eating and consuming are not good producers. In fact, the United Nations has said that, that its definition of a good citizen is someone who is a producer and consumer. When you're simply consuming, you are, you are useless eaters, as Bertrand Russell called them. And they will not tolerate them. To them at the top, it's very, very simple. They don't like people being around that cannot serve them and have a purpose for those at the top. They'll simply cull us off. And they've been doing a damn good job of it. They've been sterilizing the Western world for 50 years through its food and its water along the guidelines set down by Charles Galton Darwin in his book, The Next Million Years. And suddenly, once again, it's all over the papers. Yeah, yeah, which people are going sterile. And we've known this for 50 years. We just didn't know why. Now, they do know why. And there's no hullabaloo about that either as to is this deliberate or what. You know, I keep telling people, uh, because we've been deluged with court dramas to give us, again, a fake idea of what courts and law is all about, and propaganda through the media, that you always see these stories where the accused never admits if they're guilty or not or whatever, and the preponderance of evidence gathered uh, during the trial dictates what the verdict is going to be. And we have so much evidence given to us by the elite. They publish their stuff knowing that no one's going to follow up on anything and that the majority of the public will never read their books because they're not sexy or violent enough. And they put it right in their faces. But we have enough preponderance of evidence to say guilty in all accounts. The only thing we don't have is their admission. They don't need the admission of guilt in a court of law. It's a preponderance of evidence. And when you have the big players from years ago putting out their manifestos from, from the Fabian Society, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford Carnegie, etc., 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 and the United Nations, you don't need any more evidence. You've got it all. And yes, it's very boring stuff to wade through. They write in legalese, the strange bureaucratic legalese, uh, that, again, is meant to bore you to death. But if you can keep awake, the occasional part that really matters will hit you if you stay awake. Otherwise, you sleep through it. That's how they write their articles. That's how they write their mandates. And I've come across, I've gone through, really through lots and lots of dry, old, dusty books and been bored to tears to find the occasional gem or an actual admission of something by provable evidence. So we have it all, and unfortunately it's all going down right now, and the vast majority of the public are in la-la land. I'll be back with more after the break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, and coming through, I hope, uh, the reality that's been projected to us, and breaking out into the much bigger picture, the universal picture, where we can look down on it all and see how it all fits together and what the real reasons are for things occurring in our lifetime and getting beyond just the regular media that keeps us in a tizzy uh, with disinformation, horrific information mixed with trivia and the boob babes and all the rest of it to see what, how we're really managed. Bertrand Russell said the same thing. He says techniques will be used on the public for only those at the top, the ruling elite, will know why this is happening and that is happening. The rest of the public will have their opinions given to them and they'll have no idea of where those opinions really originated from. That has happened with the, with the general public. And Brzezinski backed that up in his book Between Two Ages when he said, he said that shortly the public will un- be unable to do any reasoning for themselves. He says everything that they talk about will, the following day will be from the previous night's news, uh, basically downloaded into them. And, and they'll have no, they'll expect, he said, they will expect the media to do their reasoning for them. Uh, like a, the media was an appendage to your self-preservation, in other words. You expect them to warn you of all the things that you personally had to know about. Well, that's not what the media is there for. It's meant to keep you in a different world altogether of unreality and obedience. But here's a, an extract I'm going to read before I go to the callers. And, this one is from a, a blog site, I think. It was sent to me. It's called stevescomments.wordpress.com. And he's got a good article up here. He's been following uh, the militarization of the police, obviously, and how they've been getting around or just simply ignoring the Posse Comitatus Act. And it's quite interesting how he goes into this and the, some, the history that he puts up on his site. It says here, here we go again, and I'll put the link up at the end of my show. Just the heck with posse comitatus and the rule of law. We'll just go ahead and let the military do law enforcement work for us. It's all a matter of getting us accustomed to seeing military presence in America. And that's true. That's what we've seen since 2001. It says this is 180 degrees on what this nation was established on. Marines pulling people out of their cars at checkpoints in America. How much of this are we going to accept here in America? The Posse Comitatus Act was established in 1878 because the Union Army was abusing its authority in the South and harassing citizens. Why did the people today think the same thing won't happen in modern-day America? He says, remember, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Then he says, Benjamin Franklin said, those who give up essential liberty for little safety deserve neither. And... The initial article goes on about what's happening in California. As we reported yesterday, the Marine Corps Air and Ground Combat Center was dispatched, um, and uh, something's come up on my website here, but um, apparently they're going to use the Marines in California to work alongside the police during the, the holiday season. It's not clear whether these police will be armed or not, but that ties in. Uh, with an article I read recently about the Marines, the biggest, and that was from the Army, one of the Army magazines, how the Marines have been trained to go in amongst the population uh, with concealed firearms to work in amongst the, the population, which also ties in with the first article I read tonight. 
but it says here this first one is going to happen in San Bernardino County. And then when you look down, it says, it says, um, as a KCDZ FM news report broadcast today points out by law to, to avoid entrapment, the California Highway Patrol is required to provide the location of its checkpoints to the media at least two hours prior, although the CHP did provide the radio station with a telephone number to get this information. When the number was called, there was no answer. It says, moreover, to add insult to injury, Marine Corps military police in uniform and in marked military police cars were indeed teamed up with the CHP outside of a home depot in the town of Yucca Valley. After examining the documents faxed to KCDC-FM, it became obvious that the CHP and Joshua Tree deliberately released disinformation to the media designed to cover its participation with the Marines, as noted, a direct violation of posse comitatus. But they, to say, when you look down uh, at what he has on the history of this, it's quite interesting. See, he has the dates when they were already doing rehearsals prior to 2001 to integrate the military with the police. So it's well worth uh, reading through the history. And it's quite a bit of history uh, down here. And it's not just surmisation. It's the facts. He has the, the links to the different, um, the different links that the, the presidents and so on have put out. Uh, under mandates and and uh, column uh, orders and council, etc., in the United States. Now I'm going to go to the phones right now, and there's Megan from Pennsylvania on the line. Are you there, Megan? Yes. Hi, Ellen. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes, I can. Okay. There wasn't that usual delay. All right. Um, I understand you like to stick to history and the facts, but I value your opinion very much, and I wondered if you... I know this is silly, but do, do we believe in reincarnation? And if not, why do you feel why we are put here on this earth to endure these hardships? Thank you, and I'll take my answer off the air. Yeah, yeah I'm not into reincarnation, although it's, it's been pushed as one of the biggest religions of today by, again, those at the top with big money to push it into, this, into the masses. It's a very appealing religion. It's kind of like uh, a never-ending credit card. When you screw up, you can come back again and pay it off. Uh, that's really how it works. But to be honest with you, if you can't remember what you did wrong in a past life, uh, how could you come back in another one and rectify the wrongs of the past? It makes no sense whatsoever. And um, why you're here on earth, uh, I think, boils down to purpose. And no doubt, um, we're, we all start at the same level regardless of class or whatever else, we, we are all tempted by the same things. We all screw up along the way. Everyone I know uh, has screwed up at some time in their life. Uh, being human, I think you can't help it. But I think part of it, too, is to, is to, um, to grow. Some people will call it spiritual growth. And what is spiritual growth? It's coming to a much, much higher understanding of purpose and, and what you do with that purpose is to do with, with, against fighting evil. Fighting evil, I think, is part of it. Part of, of the, the whole idea in ancient times of achieving spiritual growth was to see the world as it truly was. Because the, the, the science of power and control over the masses is an ancient technique. In every society, every empire down through the eons, there's always been a few but with the priests beneath them that would give the culture to the people and make sure that culture was maintained 
and it was always to serve and to be obedient to those who ruled. Uh, nothing has really ever changed, except that for a little while, maybe one generation, two generations were given a break and given a little bit more goodies out of all their hard labor for the first time. Now they're taking them all away again. But, uh, but they used to say that the purpose of life was to t- uh, achieve spirit, and spirit, in other words, was something you were not born with. Uh, you were born with the capacity to achieve it, and once you had achieved it, you would change and you would simply work for the good or fight evil if possible. It doesn't mean you become perfect. You're still human. Uh, it simply meant that you would see things much more clearly. And that's what they always meant by um, helping the blind to see. Uh, the person who was awoken, who had gone on this internal journey, um, would try and wake up other people and help the blind to see. They still use the same terms at the top with what they mean by the profane. They use the owl at a bohemian grove because it sees in the dark. It's a lumen that can see in the dark. So those who cannot see in the dark, the world of the masses, are, um, they're all included in the profane. I, I don't think anyone who wants to go on any kind of spiritual path um, will really achieve it unless they realize they have to come up against real moral decisions and make them, make those moral decisions and fight evil uh, where they can. Uh, but reincarnation, no, when you have to hire some wealthy uh, who's very trendy, there's always an, a trendy a psychologist or something that uh, the top wealthy will go to to find out their past life experiences, well, something's wrong. And the, 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 the better they are, uh, the more past life experiences apparently they'll find for you. They'll keep finding more as long as you pay. But it's very, very appealing. I can see why people fall into the trap of it. And uh, you understand, too, the, the mentalities of East and West. You find from the Greek system down through Roman system and so on, we were more individualistic. Um, we sought a deity outside of ourselves uh, in the creator mode um, to explain everything around us. In the Eastern philosophies and religions, which were even crowded in, in some areas in those days, because they all lived in cities in ancient times there, or were corralled in cities, they had an attempt to, to go within, to cut out the world outside and retreat within. And it's a strange, a strange uh, religion viewed from the West, uh, with being that the, the answer to everything would come uh, to you uh, when you had no thought at all. Uh, the, the Western idea is completely the opposite. Uh, the answers would come in torrents of information and understanding when you achieved uh, that particular state. So they're, they're diametrically opposed. However, a reincarnation is pushed from those above because the countries who took on the beliefs in reincarnation were the most passive and easily controlled societies that have ever existed. That's why they've been chosen for the whole world. Um, this whole idea of karma is a wonderful idea in that you can ignore the poverty and the misery around you and blame the people themselves for their own suffering. They deserve it because they lived a bad life in the past one. Uh, that's what you'll get in places like India. They are not caring, humane societies. That's exactly what the elite want in this world to come up. They don't want he- people helping other people. They want everyone to be, to be dependent for everything on the, the, the government. So, so I'm not really into the reincarnation thing. I understand those who have fallen for it. 
Uh, they also don't like to look at the negative aspects as though bad camera will rub off on them and therefore they're, they're on a train track and they don't see the train coming up behind them because it's too unpleasant, so they ignore it. Well, the train's going to hit them anyway, whether they ignore it or acknowledge it or not. And here's another article here from BBC to do with the weather. You know, the weather is now called climate change. Uh, it says, this year is coolest since 2000 by Richard Black, who gets paid to be the environmental correspondent. I say that because you, you'll, see, you'll hear the spin he puts on what he's going to tell you. It says, the world in 2008 has been cooler than at any time since the turn of the century. Scientists say, you know, the gods, the white-coated guys, who constantly change the theories. It says, cooling La, La Nina conditions in the Pacific brought temperatures down to levels last seen in the year 2000. The World Meteorological Organization notes that temperatures remain about 0.3 centigrade above the 1961-1990 average. Then computer models suggest, I like how they say suggest, these are specially designed models to, to, to give out what they want to hear, that natural cycles may cool the air surface in the next few years. Natural cycles masking, masking, mind you, the warming impact of rising greenhouse gas levels. So the reason that the projected catastrophe with warming is not happening is because natural cycles may cool the air surface and mask or hide the impact of rising greenhouse gas levels. You see, this is the spin they're putting on the fact they can't get their, their warming thing on the go. It says, one recent analysis suggested, like again suggested, there may be no warming for, for about the next decade, though other scientists dispute the conclusion. See if they give you the dialectic to me, you're totally confused. What is beyond dispute is that 2008 saw temperatures a shade below preceding years. No kidding. Using data from two major monitoring networks, one coordinated by the UK's Hadley Centre and the University of East Anglia, and the other by the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is called NOAA, the WMO reports that despite the cooling, 2008 still ranks amongst the, term, the 10 warmest years on record. Boy, there's double speak all through this, isn't there? And this is at 14.3 centigrade. The average temperature for the year was significantly above the 14.0 centigrade average for the 1961-90 period, a commonly used baseline. Temperatures are about 0.7 centigrade above pre-industrial times. Peter Stott, head of climate monitoring and attribution at the UK Met Office, of which the Hadley Centre is a part, suggested, suggested than previous decades, 2008 would have stood out as unusually warm. That's his suggestion. What's your suggestion? You see, his suggestion is no, has no more basis behind it but facts than the news will be, you see. So he suggests this. Unfortunately, all these suggestions are becoming taken as law. So we're getting all these laws to monitor our lives and, and because all live in habitat areas and depopulate, etc., because of lots of lots of suggestions from different scientists. Human influence, particularly emission of greenhouse gases, has greatly increased the chance of having such warm years, he said. Well, so has the aerial spraying for the last 10, going on 11 years now. <clears throat> NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies, which produces its own record of atmospheric temperature, agreed that 2008 was the coolest year since the turn of the century. <laughs> so we've got double and triple speak here now. Which one is right? What's your suggestion? But GISS still ranks as the ninth warming since 1880. The 
warmest of all remains 1998, when exceptionally strong El Nino conditions added to rising greenhouse gas levels sent thermometers to an average of about 14.5 centigrade. The most important component of year-to-year variability in global average temperatures is the phase and amplitude of equatorial sea surface temperatures in the Pacific that lead to La Nina and El Nino events, observed UEA's Dr. Phil Jones. But, but there's, there's all your triple, unless you're, you're left in a no-man's land of, of Lala, this, your, your brain is this mush after reading this kind of report, you see. And, and it's, it's an interesting tact because when they come out with the next report, because you're so confused and, you're, and you, you can't form an opinion on your own, uh, they'll give you the straight opinion and you'll accept it. That's how that works. I remember years ago reading on the psychology of specific preachers, ones that were based in the United States and the psychology, they actually were trained in this, of using a technique on listeners. And outsiders of the U.S. will notice that these TV evangelists, for instance, talk rapid fire, very machine gun fire. And, and it's almost like a manic person just prattling off. And they're, they're, they go on stage and they run back and forth full of energy and you're watching this, you're being self-hypnotized. But the, the technique, technique was to rattle out what they put out as facts to you and your mind doesn't have a time to say, I agree or disagree with them. And, and as you're still in the la-la land of in-betweenness, they hit you with another possible fact and then another and another until you sit back, you give up, you sit back and get downloaded until you, you arrive at his conclusion that he expects you to come to. That's the technique they use. And it's the same kind of technique they give you with their answers to global warming or weather changes. Hi folks, Alan Watt back, cutting through the matrix. And I've got a, a long distance from Sydney. It's Sam in Sydney. Are you there, Sam? Alan, how are you? I'm hanging in here with all this uh, 20, 30 degrees below. <laughs> Mate, if, uh, if Canada ever gets you down, you should move down to, uh, to uh, Australia. We have uh, uh, lovely it, weather down here. It could be very appealing. It gets water. very appealing at this time of year, I must admit. Look, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I rang up just to uh, flag your attention. You, you probably already know of it, but uh, we, had a, uh, we have a show down here on the ABC called Enough Rope, um, which is an excellent uh, interview show. It's, it's finished um, this year, so it's the last episode um, Screen, but the last episode was on someone that you talk of uh, quite often. Uh, it, it was uh, they interviewed a guy called Dr. Philip Zimbardo, who was um, famous for the uh, Stanford Prison Experiment. Yes. Um, and it was interesting because um, you know they, they went through. Um, your listeners can go up on uh, online and have a look at it. It's uh, you know, enough rope um, with Andrew Denton, and it's uh, if you if you type in the experiment, uh, that will come up, and you should be able to actually get a copy of the um, of the uh, actual show as well. We'll actually have a look at it. But yeah, it's interesting because um, one of the things that he was talking about, uh, which you talk about quite often, is the fact that um, the system itself corrupts and degrades, um, yeah. and that's the one thing that they found out, um, and that's the one thing that they linked to Abu Ghraib. Yeah. Um, and you know, while I was watching this, I was I was thinking about how you know, as a society and as as you know, I guess as living creatures, we've kind of forgotten um, what's important and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be you know, and it's it's funny because it's so basic, 
Um, and I wanted to recommend a couple of books that I read um, when I was uh, a lot, quite a lot younger, but which really helped, which was um, uh, uh, two books written by a guy called Dr. M. Scott Peck. Uh, one was called The Road Less Traveled. Yeah, the the was, guy himself was a bit of a, uh, a sideliner. He was an attempt to come in, um, in a, on a Christian bent, but his job was really to, to, to alter it into a form of psychiatry and put everything down to basically human nature and psychiatry. I know the book you, you, you're, you're talking about, in fact, he, he jumped on, he piggybacked on Malachi Martin's work and, uh, and ended up putting down um, exorcism as something that was quite within the possibilities and ease of scientists or, or, or specialists like himself to carry out until it was no big deal. He treated it like a mental illness. So I'm, I'm careful right. of, well, I'm I mean, very careful of I mean, his that, work. Yeah. That, that, was, that was in the book, uh, People of Lied. Um, he, he was looking at the three different types of evil. Yeah. Um, he was trying to categorize what evil was. And the first one was personal evil. And the second one was his institutionalized evil. Yeah. Um, and the third was um, supernatural evil. And in the, what you're talking about there is he was going in and pretty much um, being witness to exorcisms. Now, he yeah. is a Christian, but at the same time, I mean, he, he, he went in with a, you know, a, I guess a scientific mind to actually have a look at it and go, well, this thing does exist, what is it? Yeah. Uh, um, but it's interesting because all throughout there, um, I mean, the, the, the two messages that come out, the one from the road um, less travelled was that it's us connecting with each other and attempting to connect each other, mm -hmm. um, which is important, and that we do live um, in, um, we don't live in isolation, that we do live with each other, and it's not just about... Yeah. Well, you see, that's, that's what they've um, tried to destroy for the last 25, 30 years, right. that bonding, yeah. and they've done it intentionally, but that, that's the end of the show. And before I go, I should mention Pornology is probably the best book on evil I've ever read. Um, to look into that. So from Hamish myself and to your Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.